up this morning with the sundown shining in him. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag, but then... 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Trip down a cloud and fell eight miles high. I tore my mind. On a jagged sky. Okay, you know, you guys aren't privy to all the new <laughs> so, uh, you know, that's what you, uh, that's what you pay me for. I just dropped in to see what condition my condition was in. Illinois Nazis. I hate Illinois Nazis. Yeah, let's cut through the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? I lost you $60,000. There is no one who wants to make that money back for you more than I do. Just one thing, dude. What's that? You have to use so many cuss words. The f are you talking about? Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. I woke up this morning. Lord Wilbanks, Jackson, Jackson, I'm home. We have. What is your name? He is Greg Pappas on the board. He's becoming very popular. You're no longer just the man who likes to sit there. You are the Greg Pappas. People write me now and say, hey, this guy's getting pretty good. Yeah, I'm, uh,. Just the guy on the board. You're just a lurker on the board? Creeper. Creeper. Well, that's a good thing. It's nice to get a, a name, you know, now that you're, you're getting the hang of this stuff. Uh, like I said, SP Futures down a whole buck, Chuck. SP Futures down 10. We came back yesterday pretty good after Wednesday's pretty much debacle. Plus the Bulls won again, eh? Just saying. You getting your playoff tickets? It's impressive. Are we going to let Zach Levine back on the team? Uh, <laughs> you'd hope so. Well, the other guys are showing maybe they're not so bad, eh? Yeah. I'd um, rather be in Milwaukee, though, personally. You'd rather be in Milwaukee. For <laughs> what reason? Just to drink? The, no, the Bucks. Well, sure, they got a better team, but, you know. Yeah. They got the, what's his name? Mr. Man God. <laughs> Giannis. Yeah. What do you think about the guy last night? Do we his have Mr. Kevin? Brother. Kevin, you with us? Yes, I am. What did you think of the dude last night? He, uh... Looks to me like he's run out of gas after 30 NBA games, which I think I would too. Who's that? The, I, I didn't watch. So oh, the rookie and a rookie and uh, saw the Irish women. The, the rookie and uh, San Antonio. It's his name. They got number one pick. Oh, um, calls his name. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah he's, he's he's pretty special, but uh, well, yeah, but their team their team is still totally in the middle of a rebuild, so they only have a few players. Uh, a couple of do it. A few sorry, sorry if I sound a little hoarse. I, um, I I have a cold this morning, so. Well, I'm just getting over mine, so we're averaging it out. So we're we're fine. Yeah, this is this is my daughter's fault. I mean, it it is really crazy. Um, everything she gets, I get. Now you would think that that means we have a very very similar uh, immune system, wouldn't you? You would think. You would think. Or la or lack of one. Yeah, except she's adopted. <laughs> oh God! So, so, uh, and you know, and she's adopted from a different country. So there is no physiological reason for me uh, to get everything she gets. But it has been that way all our lives. Well, this uh, thing I got, I thought I was pretty much immune from this stuff after twenty years in the in the petri dish cesspool of the trading pit. 
figure whatever was around I got, but I hadn't made this one before. And uh, it, was, it's a, it was about a, it's, it's, I'm 80% after five days. That's a lot for me. I'm usually pretty quick back at the stuff. And, uh, but no, it's, uh, it's not, it's not a lot of fun. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I remember, uh, well, like I said, no, nobody, no matter how sick you were, you still wouldn't trade it and stood next to people. The idea that you would not infect anybody. I mean, you could hear the whole thing coughing, you went in there anyway. I mean, it's just that, that was your livelihood. So over a period of time, it would had to be very similar to, to Audrey's dad being in the military during World War II and that kind of stuff. He said, if it fits around, I've had it. Yeah, uh, school teachers, especially uh, when they first get started out of college, they get they, they have so many sick days in their first year or two, um, and then they start to build up an immunity because they, you know, these kids bring everything. Well, you you got to get it once. Actually, the I, I don't usually do this, but I went. I went online. I said, you know, this is kind of weird. All these symptoms I have. What, what the hell's going on? And then you actually, University of Chicago, the city of Chicago, places have on their, you know, whatever their site, they'll tell you what people are being tested for. And the thing that's walking around right now, COVID's still around, but it's it's pretty way down. The thing that's, that's causing people problems is H1N1, and they listed the symptoms and the time you got it, and I'm sitting there going. God, it looks like me. Maybe maybe that wasn't around when I was in the OEX pit. I don't know. But uh, anyway, it, the fact is, it's getting better, so that's good. And you and you'll be fine in a couple of days, and we'll all be good. What do you what do you, what do you think of yeah, that? I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a miracle cure, and in a week to ten days, I'll be fine. Well, you know, the funny part is, uh, they don't they don't. Uh, our our friend Fran is no longer with us. The waitress over at Ceres. She would before that she was at Excelsior. And she would make the cure for the traders. Nobody supposed the cure was. Well, actually, had to do with alcohol, I'm sure. Uh, but actually, it was, was somewhat medicinal. It was. Uh, can you still buy rack and ray? I have no idea. I mean, uh, anyway, it's kind of weird stuff. But it was super hot tea, uh, fresh honey, fresh squeezed lemon, and a big shot of rack and ray. Now the rack and ray part is additional, but I would say that tea, honey, and lemon has got to be on the top of every home care person's list of th- to give people, isn't it? Oh, pretty much so, yeah. So it actually had had some, you know, you went you went to the bar to get cured, not to drink. So you had, you had your reasons. Everybody's got to have a reason, right? Yeah, I think I think so. No, just an excuse. That's all I'm looking for is an excuse. Hey, uh, two things I want to... We have a... Uh, I'm jumping you on this, but Mr. Flanagan is going to help us out the second half hour to talk about this uh, Eddie Burke uh, thing. Uh, okay. uh, but, but but I want to expand it, Kevin, and maybe we'll start. Uh, I want to expand it into different ways of governments and this, this idea of corruption and what is really corruption and what is really economics. And I think uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what's, what's right, but I'm, I'm going to try and mention differences in how governance is done and how things are done and how people sort of act. And people have never changed. That's why you can read Greek tragedy and you feel like you're watching a couple down the block, right? Uh, and it's the, I listened to the thing last night and I'm, I'm kind of horrified at the, at the pompacity or pompacity of these, these uh, people who are uh, prosecuting these cases. And I'm not saying, I, I, matter of fact, I, I think I said on the air, eight, ten years ago when the name was first brought up, 
that rumors had been that Eddie had kind of lost it as he got older and was actually a little little further out there with the, you better do something for me if I'm going to do something for you. Uh, to the point where, you know, he, the way the feds are these days, you might get yourself in trouble, and he did. And, uh, you know, I've never met the man, so it's not like I, I know all about the guy. I just hear stuff. And uh, But the interesting part, Kevin, is you... I'm going to say the new generation. I don't feel like uh, Socrates, you know, the new generation sucks kind of thing because that's, that doesn't, that's not true. But the somehow or other, people don't quite, some people today just don't quite get the idea of quid pro quo at all. I mean, uh, you see it in the advertising, and you see it in uh, when I used to pay to be on the stations. And who knows, we might soon do that again, but... Um, we never really had any luck with advertisers, uh, and people who I thought were, were were good people. Now, the people who used to sell a station to us said that the Koreans, for instance, uh, they were almost fistfights to be the Chevy dealer on their show. Because if you listen to the station, those people said, "Well, I should at least call that guy first because I listen to the station every day. I get that for free. People do that for me." And I, I owe that I owe them at least the call. Now, if the guy wants to charge me thirty grand more for his Chevy, I'm not going to buy it there. But I should at least. And uh, I had the conversation with this. I don't know. Audrey drags me to one of these parties where all these people close houses and stuff. So I talked to everybody. I'm talking to this guy, and we started talking about trucks, right? And he's got a Toyota. I said, "Yeah, I still love my Toyota." And matter of fact, the place I bought it from was real nice. Boy, you brought it back. Uh, for the oil change there, and it was free free oil, and it was a nice place. The TV, and you're out of there in half hour. He goes, yeah, you know, I can't, I can't. Uh, my guy here in, uh, I won't say the town. I can't, I can't get my guy here that doesn't want to take my truck. It's always, I'm always at the like, at the end of the line or something. I, and I goes, I know the guy. So I asked the dumbest question on earth. Well, did you buy it there? Well, no. Well, why didn't you buy it there? If if you want if you want to get it serviced there, and you know the guy. Well, I saw this uh, this thing online. Uh, I saved seventy five bucks. I bought it out in uh, wherever Villa Park or someplace. Just let me get this straight. You know the guy? He's a mile away from your house. You're intending to take it there for service, and for a hundred bucks, you went and bought it somewhere else without asking the guy. Hey, I saw this ad online. Would you mind dropping a hundred bucks off this Toyota? You think he would have said no? So no, he probably would have said yes. Well, then, what are you saying? I mean, do you have any concept of where you're even going with this? I, you know, you can't. It's at a point that you can't explain it to somebody, Kevin. You just can't. And uh, Here, give, let's give it to something everybody can relate to. If a bar sponsors your softball team, you should go as a team and drink after the game. There, yes. for, at least for a little while. At least for a little while. Or your bowling team, or whatever. Um, if they're going to fork over the dough, they're doing it for. Good I don't. Reason. I don't think this this online group feels that way. Everything should be for free. I shouldn't pay for news. The same conversation we had yesterday with Jan. I don't. Why should I pay for news? Well, if you don't pay for news, you can't bitch about the news. I mean, if if, you, if you're not willing to pony up, well, I used to, I'm going to say twenty five cents for the trip. God knows what it is now on a daily basis, right? Because I get mine delivered electronically. Uh, if you're not willing to pay for it, how can you complain about it? But people feel it's 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 just different, Kevin. I don't know what's right or wrong, but if you if you listen to some of the the tapes in this uh, case, when you, when you ask yourself, okay, remember uh, 
but we're gonna blow this one right by Greg. Remember the, the TV show Green Acres? Sure. Well, it was had to do with Eddie Albert. By the way, Eddie Albert was a serious war hero. I don't know if you knew that or not. Oh yeah, I knew that. I knew that, and I knew, um, yeah, it, um, really good, really good stage actor too. Yeah, and he. Uh, anyway, so but one of the people on the show should be, who should be a retired, retired, required listening to anybody in like a, a graduate marketing department had to be Mr. Haney. Yes, who, by the way, um, uh, was, uh, as Pat Buttram was the, uh, yeah. was the guy. In North Carolina coach when he was younger, um, oh, what's uh, Mac Brown, uh, was a dead ringer, both sound and looks for Mr. Haney. Well, he, but he would be a guy that was, was you know, he, you know uh, what Eddie Albert would say, Hey, I need a tractor. Okay, how much for a tractor? A uh, couple of hundred bucks. All right, thank you. Well, we got a deal. All of a sudden, a week later, he's like, "Hey, where's my tractor? You got it. Well, I need it this week." You didn't say this week. That's that's not two hundred bucks. That's a thousand bucks. You know, so I mean, it's a question of of like communication. And and the weird part is, it, it's not when you listen to these tapes, Betty Burke. I'm not. I'm not saying the guy's a god or anything like that but people are the 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 impetus of the negotiation is always the other side wanting something from him right not him i mean i you know, I, I haven't known a real lot about his business i know people are in the business but it's not him it's not like uh he hears that kevin's putting up a, a six-story apartment and comes out and, and hassles you. You go to him and you say, "Here's the zoning thing. Here's the permit process. I don't want to wait in line like the rest of the people. Would you help me get to the front of the line?" Essentially. Matter of fact, in the city of Chicago, for those for full disclosure, I was on the board of the uh, Factory Theater for a while. Great group of people. They had a, they used to share a theater on North Elston with three other ensembles and. They'd rotate. Somebody would get it for six weeks for a play, and the next guys would get it. And he did like two a year or something, two or whatever math works out to. They decided they wanted their own place. So, okay, they find a storefront up in, uh, I think it might have been the 50th Ward, somewhere near Howard's L Station. And uh, they're going to get help from the aldermen for the permits. Now, the permits are, let's say, Kevin, I don't remember the number. I think it was like 250 bucks to drop your permits on the city. If you wanted them expedited, it was 500 bucks. There already was a payment in the system to allegedly get them expedited. But then the, the alderman says, well, oh, well, I'll make sure you get here quick because I really want this place open because, you know, it's right by the L station and blah, 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 the neighborhood needs all this improvement. And you guys, are, you know, the usual BS. Well, <clears throat> the guy didn't help at all. Now, of course, the, the ensemble's got no money. But people immediately will go to the alderman and say, wait a minute, you're, you're hanging me out to dry and these permits had spent six months. So you're essentially asking somebody, not that the system isn't, shouldn't be better, but there is people that say, what do you mean? It should all be online. Everybody should be equal. Kevin, people are never equal. Equal, you know that. There's always some way to get around something. Somebody gets to the front of the line. So somebody's going to come across Alderman Moore, or the hell his name was, and say, we need you to spend time and your people, we need you, you to get me to the head of these other people. All right? But without any inclination that 
he's not only just working for you as a public servant, he's also working for the other people in line, right, allegedly? You're asking him to push to the side. But the thought of, if you do this for me, of course I'll cover a precinct for you next election day or something, isn't it? Isn't it? Anywhere in the in the baby boomer, not the the, the post baby boomer's vernacular, can you imagine a twenty five year old saying that to somebody now? Oh man, if you help me with this, I'll I'll cover a precinct for you. They have no idea what I'm talking about when I say something like that. If if you ask somebody for something, why should they do it for you unless it's a family member or a friend without without you doing something for them, right? Now, what, I mean, one of the places I remember in one of the comments was Eddie Burke saying. Why should we do the heavy lifting for this guy on a project this big if he's not going to do anything for us? Now, is that correct? Probably not. But why should he, right? Well, I, and, and I don't mind that. It's when it says, yeah, grease my palm. That's different. And so the question gets to be, what are the acceptable standards that come into play here? Uh, and... I, I think that's that's a, that's the conversation, and that's you know I I didn't follow the case, and I I saw the uh, the headline yesterday and kind of scrolled through the uh, uh, the article, but I haven't read it, so you know I can't comment on the specifics. But we see this all the time. How about you know how about in the uh, the purchasing area? You know how how much uh, you know it, 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 you build personal relationships with your vendors. Um, because you want to be able to get stuff done, and um, uh, you know, and, and the vendors want you to buy, so they show up and they're willing to buy you lunch and so on. But where do you draw the line? So let's let's give an example for that. What you know, because we this is uh, this is a case I use. Um, vendors show you got it, you're bidding on it. They're bidding on a project, a, a new um, a new ERP system or something like that. It's going to be worth hundreds of thousands of dollars of business, and you're the project manager. And the uh, the uh, one of the finalists um, salespeople shows up every two weeks to take you for take you to lunch. Is that okay? I think when you uh, in this particular case, I, I think if there's no to a point, the answer is yes, Kevin. Okay, so now let's let's take it a little further. Now you get invited out to a South Bend Cubs game because we're here. You know, we're we're here and we're local. Tickets are about, you know, 10, 12 bucks, something like that. It's a chance to sit, get to know each other, to work, because you, you're, you're, you may be working together, get all your questions answered. Um, we throw in uh, a few hot dogs and a couple of beers, uh, which aren't that expensive at a Class A ballpark. Um, is that still okay? The, uh, the definition in our industry is if he goes with you, the answer is yes. If he just hands them to you, the answer is no. Okay. Next, next question. Um, home office is in Chicago. Come on in, see our home office. I'll take you to um, Gibson's, and then I'll take you to the Cubs game. And I don't want you driving home that late after the game, so uh, I'll put you up at the Drake. Is that okay? Um, the Drake part probably isn't, but as long as he's with you for Gibson's and Buck Cub game, it's the answer. I'm just telling you what the moral, <clears throat> the morals is that are, are the morals are in our industry. Yeah. And, and I'm telling you, they, these are really good discussions I have with students who are generally working people, um, and uh, and you get some who just say, "No, nope, I'm not taking anything." And I personally, I I tend to avoid the lunch circuit anyway myself because 
you know, I, I one, I, I never had a lot of time for it, but, um, but be that as it may, uh, you know, I, I would. I've say, never done lunch either. I, we always traded for lunch, but yeah. But bring in bring in lunch, and you can sit down with the team, and you can you can talk. You know, you can let us know what's going on with your product and any of that kind of stuff. I, I was always fine with that. But everybody's got a different ethic on this one. Well, this so, particular one, Kevin, so if there the was money, gets to be the question gets to be what is standard, what is acceptable, and you just described what's acceptable in your industry and your experience. So where do we go beyond that? It's like when I you know I give you the suite and say it's all yours. You know. It's, well, this this particular case was interesting because if he were to say that's going to cost you <clears throat> ten grand cash, you had a picture of somebody bringing the cash to him. I'm going to say that's over my line. <clears throat> if he says, by the way, there's with a building that size, you're probably going to want a tax person. There's four very good tax people in the city. I could probably name them. I don't want to name them on the air. Uh, would you at least give us a a shout? Uh, I'm not so sure. That's horrible, Kevin. Now, if he says you, if you when, don't do business with, when does with it, it turn into a bribe? That's that's always your question. When does <clears throat> it turn into a bribe? Well, when you, I guess, if you uh, charge twice as much as the other guy for the tax stuff or something, if it's a fair price for the tax stuff, what's the difference? I mean, it's an interesting question, though. Sure, it, it is. Absolutely, absolutely. SP futures down seventy-five cents. SP futures down seven bucks. Today's the big PCE announcement. The number that the Fed looks at, and nobody knows about but the Fed. It's the most, it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard about. Anyway, we back stocks and jocks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freaks guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Greed is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now. Lord, we're stocks and jacks. I'm Tamal. He's Greg Pappas on the board. Kevin O'Neill with us. If Jan Flanagan was submitted. SP futures down 75 cents. NASDAQ futures down 8. We were down more than that last night. Dow's down 106. The reason for that is Nike's down 16 bucks. Ouch. Another uh, earnings, uh, well, earnings play or earnings day that uh, move way through the straddle. These moves are very outline. They're, they're huge outline. We did the, uh, we got it real cheap. Uh, thank God. Uh, we did the 120. Time spread, and this thing is at 107, so we're not even close, close to 120. I mean, I think the straddle was like 13 bucks, and it's moved 16. 
This is happening time and time again. This is incredibly unusual that the uh, these things are moving this much. It's a 12% move. This is like uh, Federal Express the day before. That's, that's those. These are big numbers. Over in Asia, we've got uh, Nikkei up 20. We oh, finally had a quiet day. That's 0.1%. Hang Seng down another 280, 1.7, And Shanghai staying over 29,000, but not by much. Uh, 2,900, sorry. Uh, but they're down four bucks, 29.14. China is not healthy. It's just not healthy. I hope it doesn't help hurt us here, but it is not healthy. Yesterday, Dow was up 322, S&P up 48, Nasdaq up 185. So. Damn near a Fibonacci two-thirds of the day before, almost right on the button. The S&Ps were down 72 on Wednesday. were up 48 yesterday. So, Greg, is that a Fibonacci retracement? I'm going to say yes. You're not a Fibonacci guy, but some people are, some aren't. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of not. I just remember the two-thirds number. Uh, Ten-year down four basis points, 3.85. The Bund unchanged 1.96, under 2%. Uh, Japan up three basis points, 0.62. Um, oil... Uh, up 22 cents, 74.11. Brent up 3 cents, 79.42. Natural gas up 2 cents, 259. Gold is uh, up 22 bucks, 2073. Three week peak. Uh, and the Fed rate cut bets. Uh, U.S. inflation thing. Again, this is PC number, which you can't quantify whatsoever. So to me, it's useless other than everybody talks about it. Silver up 20 cents, 0.8%. Uh, copper unchanged, 391. We've got crypto, which has been pushing up. Today a little bit of a pause down, 84 bucks, 43,620. The dollar, which has been volatile, is down again today with the euro over 110 now, 110.3. I haven't seen that in a long time. And the British pound over 127. So the dollar is getting crumpled here a little bit. We have for traffic weather sports. Good morning, everyone. 635 here in Chicago. 43 degrees now, 45 today with some afternoon rain. Phoenix, 59, light rain right now. It's cooler, more thunderstorms today. Traffic, inbound Kennedy, Montrose to the interchange, 9 minutes. Inbound Edens from Lake Cook, 22 minutes. The inbound Eisenhower from Wolf is 14 minutes. The Rhine, 95th to the interchange, 18 minutes. And 294 to the Rhine is 16 minutes. NBA, Bulls beat the Spurs at home. That was uh, 114 to 95. Coyotes beat the Sharks. That was 5 to 2. And last night on Prime, the Rams beat the Saints at home. And that's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Do we have uh, Kevin and Jan? Hey, how are you? You're Good. Even, you're Kevin. even Carl on now. We, uh... Yes. W- wow. Well, I, mean, I, I, I can just, see him. I was uh, looking at... Uh, he likes to listen in because so we can comment on what you guys say after you guys are gone and you can't hear him. Um, and says <laughs> bad things about you. The, uh... Hey... Like, like most people. Yes. Hey, you know, just as a as an aside here, as we talk about this, is... I was, uh, my brother says, hey, you know, Eddie Verdoliak ever go to jail? I started reading into the history of Eddie. I thought he did. And it turns out he did, and then he was out, and then he was supposed to go back, and I don't know if he ever did because of COVID. But anyway, he went for federal charge. It had kind of nothing to do with. But he ended up, he was, when he was become being disdained for his alleged crookedness, which, you know, Eddie was a character, is a character, uh, he was the, the city council, was his law firm for Cicero. When Betty Maltese, remember her, Jan? Oh yes, and, uh, Betty Lauren Maltese. Betty yes. Lauren, what a, what a character she was. Uh, was in charge of Cicero and all this corruption, and they, did did they throw her out of mayorship or something? They did something, and uh, anyway, he represented the city, and 
somehow or other, I don't know how she finally got tossed, but she she eventually was out, right? Uh, right. How she got out, I don't know. So the new guy comes in, like he's the reformer. So the first thing he does is toss out the Verdoliac law firm and brings in his own guys. So what do you suppose happens the next year? The fee to the new guy is double what they're paying or Verdoliac because all he, all they did was was rag at the city because they one of the one of the one of the uh, examples of her crookedness was how they paid so much money to Verdoliac law firm. So the guy boots out the Verdoliac law firm, brings the new firm in, and pays them twice as much the next year. I mean, you can't write fiction. It probably became it probably became as twi- twice as corrupt a place as it was when. Freddie Lauren Maltese is running the show. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. So, John, we've been trying to do everything. We've been listening. I've been trying to set the stage, and not just the the charges themselves and, and the convictions and how it was defined as any any attempt to even get a bribe. Uh, whether most people would think that looking at you for future business that would be fairly priced as a bribe, eh, I don't know. If it's forced on you, probably. If it's not fairly priced, definitely. I mean, this is a... I don't think everybody reading this story is aware of the complexity and where this is one's going. Not to mention, what is the motivation of the feds? How do they pick this case, which costs nobody any money? Uh, how do they, you know, how do they... How do they you know, justify going after an 80-year-old dude that's out anyway? Uh... I don't know, and I also wanted you to comment on how, what exact formula, as much as I am not a fan at all, did the judge decide to give Rudy Giuliani a $148 million settlement to those two people? What, did they, what in their life did they ever deserve $148 million for? I mean, something seems weird here. Is it just me? No, it's not you, Tom. But I think, you know, after five years of the Ed Burke investigation, you know, starting with when they, his office was raided, um, you know, news bulletin. You know, this looked like, oh my God, what what do they have on this guy? And then five years later, um, this comes to trial, and I I really have to pull back and look at the, the picture here. Um, is it bad that you know, a Benny's liquor store or a Burger King restaurant, it got built, you know, under these circumstances? Well, I guess so. But if it hadn't been built under those circumstances, it would have been built somewhere else with the same circumstances. It isn't like you would go across a word boundary and expect anything different from what happened here. The 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 lack of shock value, I guess, is what I'm getting at, is kind of amusing. Um, I think what got Burke really in trouble, and this doesn't really have anything to do with the charges in, in this last case, but you compare him to a, a Richard J. Daly or an Ed Verdoliak, who, for whatever else they had going on, they lived a fairly quiet lifestyle and were not, you know, known for kind of irritating people in the, the way they lived, the kind of house they lived in, whatever. It, Richard Daly lived in this modest bungalow in Bridgeport. And, um, Verdoliak pretty much kept a low profile about his, you know, he wasn't driving around in pimp mobiles or anything like that. He was just a kind of an average, schlubby-looking guy. But Ed Burke, I think, always irritated people, especially in later years, because he 
you know, rebuilt his house on the southwest side into this fortress thing, had all the streets vacated around it to give him privacy, got dibs on having his, you know, whole stretch of property snow plowed in the winter before anybody else in the war did. And he dressed, I guess, flamboyantly would be the kindest way to put it, in these extremely, you know, uh, eye-popping pinstripe suits and, you know, pocket squares and fancy glasses and gold wristwatches. Sort of like us. People, I think, well, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, right. That, that would have opened a lot of doors for me to have. Oh, yeah. But I think that, that really always bothered, it certainly bothered people outside his board, and it bothered people like Lori Lightfoot, no end, who you know, kind of got on a crusade to get rid of him. And, of course, she chimed in yesterday at this verdict, like this is some great, great triumph of the justice system. But I just had to laugh because I don't think this is going to change one thing in the way business is being done. And I almost am at the point where if it takes, you know, spreading money around to get Burger King or Binnie's or any other business to open anything in Chicago, especially at the South Side these days, go for it, whatever it takes. And I, I, I don't want to sound too cynical, but I compare that to what somebody like, like Governor Pritzker did in throwing his millions around to control the opposition candidate in his election campaign so that he chose who he thought would be the weakest person and get them nominated as the Republican candidate so he could be a shoe-in for re-election. I think that does real damage to everybody when you, when you monopolize an election that way with your money and it has no bearing, it, it, I mean, completely out of at Burke's league if you're, if you're looking at what's really... Oh, we're not, we're not even close. We're not even close. Public. Yeah, I mean, the same. and the same thing. Same thing with Giuliani. I mean, the, Giuliani has rubbed a lot of people the wrong way for a lot of reasons, going back, you know, to before his mayoral campaign when he was a, you know, a hotshot prosecutor. But but to his credit, did kind of get New York under control at a time where it was absolutely spinning out of control. Um, and this kind of you know levying of fines to me is just it shows the, the real pettiness at work when you've got a high-profile defendant and you just want to destroy them any way you can, financially or with their reputation. And this, this has no bearing on justice either. So I'm, you know, I, I, I see that the Ed Burke thing is a total anticlimax. I think the city council would be better served if he were still around. Oh, without a doubt. Because it's now, it, it, it's now turned into something that's, you know, I, I equate to a snake pit. We've got every crackpot you know, faction of the Democratic Party yelling and screaming all the time. There's no decorum, no nothing, and, and, and they're doing awful things. So I, I, I kind of will look back fondly on the, the Burke era, not because he was so clean, maybe, but because he was a smart politician, and we've lost that art completely. What, uh, what would you guess, the three of use, the total cost of this prosecution on the Fed side? And what oh, percentage of the of the budget of that this particular office would which while while ignoring God knows how many other crimes going on in this area? It just the sucking out of the oxygen out of the room for any other wrongdoing or any any other high profile person who would want to follow the law. I thought this was it was leaked. Well, and, I didn't. Wasn't the Blago? Jan, wasn't the Blago case over forty percent of the? total cost of the office? 
yeah I mean, and looking back on that Tom it, it, it's a to me it's it's a non-issue yeah Pritzker was far more guilty there of any wrongdoing than Bogoyevich because he was lobbying for that job but, oh yeah and and it, the, the calls there you know the, the, were with Pritzker trashing other Democrats um, and sucking up the Blagojevich is positively sickening. But the wrongdoer there in my book was Pritzker, not Blagojevich. So. Well, if anybody, anybody doesn't think that this is... I'm not saying it's all correct. <coughs> <There's> Kevin, <coughs> excuse me, as Kevin has brought up, there's <coughs> there's incredible lines in the sand here that everybody sort of has to figure out. But does anybody think, you know, what's his name? Who's the knucklehead in Texas? Abbott? Who's the governor down there? Yeah, yeah. Greg Abbott. I mean, uh, hey, just come to Texas. Bring your business down here. Everything's cool down here. No problem. Everybody can just open up. Okay. I go down there and I'm trying to open up something. Where's my permits? Well, did you apply? Yeah. Well, I said everybody can get permits. I didn't say when. I mean, to think that this is not going on in other places. Does anybody I, really... I, I don't think that, but is it going on there? Well, I mean, does anybody really want a society? Na- name a society, Kevin, anywhere where you can't find somebody to help you out. I mean, what, what if every single, in the city of Chicago, in the state, in the country, where if, if Kevin O'Neill has a, looking for a permit, looking for his driver's license, looking for his gun permit, whatever all you're looking for, the only thing you can do is call a number and say, you're on a, on a list of 5,012, you're up to 4,050. Nobody ever helps you anywhere. There's nobody to pick up the phone. There's nothing. Is that what everybody really wants? But if somebody does help you, do you think you owe them something back? Help them in the election? Give them a contribution? I mean, what, why would somebody help you if you're not, if there's nothing for you to do back to them? I'm just talking about people, right? Well, maybe, uh, maybe it's the whole notion of public service. I, I don't want to get crazy about this and think, I, you know, think, think, you know, but in in the philosophical world isn't that what public service is supposed to be about but everybody but everybody wants if you show up at Eddie Burke's office and want your permits to come faster than the next guy that's not public service if you want to be a public servant a public person you want to wait in line the last thing you would want is to get out of anybody else right well actually you know if you really want to have public service what you do is you make it so that nobody has to wait forever well, okay, but right. nobody wants to pay for that. No, we're looking for efficiency in government here too. I, I mean, this is this is a whole you know pie in the sky discussion. Yeah, well, I mean, wh- the way it ought to be, and of course, yeah, of course, it's not that way. Well, I mean, I, I there there were times when the reason why I ask these questions, I mean, it's not like I'm trying to go back to an old world morals. But some of my guys at the University uh, of Chicago, my guys, they would never think they were my guy. That was more, I was more their guys. George Stigler was convinced that the patronage system was way more efficient than the civil service system. And everybody would say, God, what's, for everybody who doesn't know what the patronage system is, if, you're, if your uncle had problems holding the job or something or just got fired, you'd go to the alderman and he'd say, hey, Uncle Joey always shows up for work, blah, 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 he's never drunk. He was, he was working here in a place left town. He, he might say, go over to the Department of Motor Vehicles, they're looking for a couple of guys to train as mechanics. Tell them I sent you. Okay. You go over there. Is, that, is somebody harmed there? And for you not to say... What no, and you're, expect, you're expected at election time then to go out and work a precinct. Yeah. No, is, I, I, don't, I don't know that that's... 
I guess that's wrong, but what's the alternative? Well, I, I don't know that it is. It's, again, it's where do you draw your line on this? Yeah. But I'm saying, in, in a lot, some people feel that, uh, you know, one of the greatest... Jan, how can we find this? I would love to be able to play the interview with Walter Jacobson and, uh, God, who's the guy? Southside Italian guy. Uh, oh, there's hardly any of those that narrow. No, uh, Arnie Marzullo. Remember Arnie Marzullo? Oh, oh yeah. He brings, uh, Walter brings him, when he was Mr. doing Mr. Investigative Reporting, he brings Ernie on the TV at night, live, 10 o'clock news. And he's, and he's going he's gonna to stiff... You know, a guy can barely speak English. And he says, and he's, and he's going to nail Ernie to the wall. That didn't happen. <laughs> he goes, is, is, is it true, Alderman Marzullo, that when uh, when somebody has a pothole in front of their street and they call you, they get that pothole fixed faster than anybody else in the city? Walter, my job is to take care of my people. You're telling me I shouldn't fix the pothole? What, what are you trying to tell me? I mean, he, he made Walter look like a blithering idiot, this old, this old Italian dummy. He wasn't a dummy. Finally, everything, he goes, what about this? You know, you, you seem to have uh, the best parks. They're always clean. My people like clean parks. There's people there that work the parks. Guess what? They get up, they do their job like they're supposed to do. I make sure they do, and the parks are clean for my people. Walter, what is the problem with that? I mean, he looked like an idiot. And finally, the best was, uh, remember the little Italian restaurant, Fontanella's? Yeah. You can, oh, yeah. You, you could never get into place. So finally, uh, Vito, not Arnie, Vito Marzullo goes, Walter, what can I do for you? Uh, Alderman, can you get me into Fontanella's? <laughs> he puts the big, he puts the big, this is during the news, he puts the big phone on the desk. He calls the thing, hey, Guido, Guido, Vito, I got this boy, Walter. He's a good boy. Walter, how many guys you got? What night? How about five guys for Thursday? Treat him real well. He's a good boy. <laughs> that, was, that was the end of the interview. I never saw anything like it. It would have to be absolutely must hear for any anything in regards to public speaking or anything. That interview would be if you could find it. Now, I remember because it was, it was so classic. Anyway, so, I mean, what, what is with the, I mean, the, the whole idea of picking this guy. I think, you think a lot of it had to do with his, his, his wife being on a Supreme Court, too? Well, it didn't help in a way, Tom. You know, I, because the, I mean, the, the Illinois Supreme Court is about as politicized a judicial group as you can find anywhere on the planet, I think. Um, and it, you know, the, the way people are slated, the way people are funded for those positions, and the shameless conflicts of interest that they don't really navigate in getting there. Um, I, I don't think Ann Burke is a, a, much of a shining example. If anything, it probably did hurt him image-wise. I'm not saying she's a bad judge or anything like that, because I know very little about her as you know on the judicial stage. But she was a high-profile person, and um, I, I don't think it, in the long run it helped him very much. It, it, it made him even a bigger dinosaur, I think, in the eyes of the party. Um, well, as could. somebody who was a low-hanging low fruit, they weren't going to go after Ann Burke for anything, because I don't think she had done it anything wrong but she was you know kind of you know punching above her weight i think and how she ended up and um it probably offended people just like some of the things burke did that offended people so well, he controlled yeah, it was not he controlled a lot of the judge i mean kevin hey uh, i don't I, I suspect i don't know for sure that you were listening to jan and i yesterday and jan was talking about 
all these judicial elections and how people have to raise a lot of money. And some, and some of the money raised in some of them that are actually contested. You know, we're talking about a job that pays 175 Chad? 190 Well, more, more than that, ultimately, and a pension. Well, you know, I'm mean, I'm saying it's a, it's a, but they always would, would rag that a, of somebody that age who's at a real law firm is making twice as much. That that's that's always the story. But I'm going to say, you know, the one I, I know, I know the only one I know that was really that a judge that I'd known enough to know any of her business is John's wife, Bridget, Bridget McGrath, was uh, just retired a couple years ago as a judge, and I, I think what she got on 20 years ago was. It was in the ones, it was in the low ones. But you get vacation, you get hospitalization. I mean, it's it's not a bad do. But I'm saying some of the elections are what four and five hundred thousand dollars people are, are spending. Yeah, oh, more than that. Yeah, and yeah. you know, for for these jobs now, I guess uh, you know when, when when you start walking down this road, and Jan was saying, well, half of them are uncontested. Who gets to be the person nominated? You know, who gets to get? They actually go in front of these groups and interview in front of like Burke's group and stuff, or former Burke's group. The other thing is, though, Kevin, if you don't like any of that, then what do you want to do? Go back to the appointed stuff. You already you already vote for people in the legislature. Legislature, you vote for the governor. You vote for these people. Should you just let them be appointed, or what's what's the middle ground here? If you don't if you don't want to take the time to to, to bone up on who they are to to elect them. You don't want to, then you don't want them on the ballot. If you don't want them on the ballot, if you want them appointed, I mean, what's the solution? Well, ultimately, the solution is what's not going to happen, and that's that the we have an educated public. Well, I mean, yeah. I, I would say that I'll put myself here. I try and when we start when we start looking at you know what uh, what are the problems in the country. A big part of that is just how much. Uh, our, our education system really, really lets us down, uh, and you know, it, it, I, I don't know what to make of it. You know, it, it's it's not just what the, what we don't know about um, civics. It's it, you know that's part of it, but that's not all of it. Um, it's it's what we don't understand about numbers, about math, about anything like that. And you saw that th- through the whole COVID debacle. Oh, yeah. We were just totally able to scare scare everybody with big scary numbers because nobody had the ability to think critically about what they were seeing, or so few people had the uh, well, how how critically about it. How well educated does the public have to be to be prepared to elect fifty judges you never heard of? I'm going to say, no way I'm ever going to do it. And I put myself, I don't know, at least in the top tier of people looking at the stuff you're supposed to vote for. There's no, how, how can you know all these people? Well, sometimes what? And there's, there's not to mention a retention ballot. How many around there? Jan, 100? Yeah, those are you know, up or down based yeah. on your incumbency. So. But, Tom, look at, look at how the way voting is treated. As, Go ahead, Kevin. Maybe I'll make that a business law project. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't. I honestly don't know the answer. That's what I'm asking. Well, I, I think it's it's it is hard to expect people to go into a polling place and have a list of names. The only criteria that you have to pick and choose is gender or ethnicity, or whether you think this is a you know a name you've kind of heard about before, good or bad, and if it's a name you kind of recoil from for whatever reason because you know somebody with that surname or, or knew some politician with that surname and they were you thought they were crooked you don't vote for that person this is hardly 
informed voting, but, but when was voting ever really an informed choice? You know, in, in the way that you know all about these people, nobody in any newspaper anymore covers judicial races. Um, they simply ask you to rubber stamp what the various bar associations have done, which is a completely untrustworthy process too, and is full of influence peddling and cronyism. Well, not only you don't want to, not only you don't want to do the research yourself, you don't want to, you don't want to pay the Tribune to pay guys to do it for you. No, nor nor would this ever be covered in, in, in you know in the TV news or, or or anything. It would always be some high-minded story about. So you know, like in a Burke crucifixion, this, this person had this high-profile case, and look what happened to this poor defendant. Blah blah blah, and that, that judge will be run out of town just because that judge has been targeted for some high-profile thing that has great emotional appeal, one way or the other. And that isn't a key to getting good judicial elections either. Uh, I I don't want a, an appointed judiciary because then we just sort of cut out the middleman and think we we fixed the problem. And we've just, I think, destroyed the whole industry. But but clearly, the, the judiciary is what's making things really tough in this country for everybody. There was no cha real challenge to these dictates by mayors and governors in the COVID mess. Um, and when when it was an, an opportunity for the judiciary to pick up the the tab and do something with it, they didn't touch it. And you know, they they pick and choose the cases they want. Um, and there's far more cases that need to be looked at than there's time or energy to look at. And I, I think the judiciary is the reason this country is in a complete mess now. You can't expect a, a fair hearing in, I think, the circuit court, really. And that's the perception of a lot of people, whether it's true or not. But there's a reason why so many people think that the, the whole system is stacked. Well, see, there's no way that, that a regular person can afford it anyway. And the big, no, and the big no. firms well, the big firms seem to win all time. So if you don't, if you don't have... You know the right person. You're not going to win. Well, when when Don Rubin was representing the Tribune, did the Tribune ever lose a case? The Tribune was more powerful than the mayor, more powerful than the governor, maybe more powerful than the president too. Uh, but you knew the result if you, if you went into any kind of a, a lawsuit involving those kinds of, of plaintiffs or defendants. You knew exactly how the outcome would be, and that that hasn't changed one bit, nor probably will it. But I. It's, it's it's impossible now, I think, to un, to fix what's wrong with Congress or the executive branch unless you look at the ju judiciary. And I don't mean like the Supreme Court ethics or any of that stuff, but I just mean the crookedness with which these, these judges get appointed and confirmed. If you look at the Senate confirmation hearings for federal judges, I can't believe these people went to law school. And this started really in, in rapid fire fashion under Obama. His, his judicial appointees were absolutely horrible when, when it came to their qualifications, and they're still sitting around pontificating and will be for life. So, Yeah, the, 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 I, the, the think, life thing kind of bothers me. Yeah, well, I mean, it's, it's, it works well in, in, if you think, well, we get people who are above the winds of politics or, you know, you know the, the, the popular cause of the day and you know, time to grow in the job and I get all that and I, I agree with it deep down but when you start enshrining unqualified people um, you know just because they tick off all the right boxes and this is the same thing with university presidents now as it is in the judiciary you get some awful awful decisions you want to hear my, my for life story yeah real quickly I'll throw out a, a point and then yes you can tell the for life story go ahead uh, 
and that and Carl talks about this all the time. At what point are they going to push it too far? And now we're you know we have people out in the streets with pitchforks. Um, I thought when the kid got shot at twelve o'clock in the car on, the, on Lakeshore Drive three years ago, that was that was the bottom. It's not the bottom. I, I can't even imagine where the bottom is. Well, I, I don't know where it is either, but there's got to be a bottom somewhere. So my, well, you know my, my rambunctious buddy, Dr. J. John Nigerian, he's always, he's always a trip to be with. I mean, we've been friends forever. We're out in Las Vegas. There's this guy, Joe Gandolfo, who looked just like uh, Joe, uh, Joe DiMaggio, the low voice, would grab people with both hands, the women, and he would sell this service for life. We'd pay him like a thousand bucks, and you'd call him for recommendations on, you know, annuities and stuff. Of course, he's getting a kickback from the annuity company. Send you to that kind of thing. So he says, John says to him, "So what are you selling or something like that?" And he goes, "I'm selling this. He had this global. I'm selling this service for life." So John says to him, "Whose life? Yours or mine? You don't look so hot." <laughs> I mean, I mean. Uh, John, I don't know if that was appropriate or not, but I thought it was pretty funny. You don't look so hot. Whose life are we talking about? So now whenever anybody <coughs> guarantees me something for life, I say, whose life? <laughs> I, I suggest you do that. Anyway, thank you, guys. Uh, so we're, 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 we're down seven in the portal, Kevin? Is that what you're telling me? Um, yeah, I think so. It, uh, they had signing day this uh, this week, and... Uh, there's there are several schools. SMU is one of them. That say from now on they're only signing five to seven, and the rest are going to be transfers, which you've sort of hinted at. Anyway. Oh, I will. I want to, you know, when you're. Uh, by the way, Merry Christmas to the Bodies and everybody. But Merry uh, Christmas. Next week, Kevin. let's talk about. Uh, uh, oh, Brandon's not going to be on Tuesday morning. So Jan, you're not going to be on. Uh, I won't be on Monday. Yeah, so um, maybe we'll have to catch you. Uh, my question is. In addition to how much it costs to put Eddie Burke in jail, what do you suppose if a guy leaves after freshman year, Kevin, the total cost of his recruitment and one-year stay is at a school like Notre Dame? I'm going to say it's quarter million dollars. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but you know when they when they get to the point where they finally say we're going to directly pay players as employees, um, then the next thing is they're going to have term contracts as part of it. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking about guys flying on private jets to go see these guys play, right? Or talk to yeah. them? You know, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the budgets are incredible. So, but yeah, you, you know, you're going to sign a contract to, that promises to stay there for three years or something like that, and you'll get paid a lot of money to do it, and it'll be just like the NFL in many ways. I'll bet it turns out to be, well, we have Carl Pine in this in a minute, but I'll bet it turns out to be a dragon one-year deal, uh, Kevin. If you leave after one year, you owe to one year back. If you stay two years... The first one is, is locked in, something like that. Every contract has a buyout clause, or every, yeah. every contract should have a buyout clause. So, um, yeah, it, you know, early termination, termination for convenience, call it whatever you want. S&P futures uh, unchanged, and NASDAQ futures up a quarter. Thank you, guys. Merry Christmas again. Uh, we're a very quick break, and we'll have Carl Denninger. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding health care reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. 
Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. I'm breaking rocks in the hot sun. I fought the law and the law won. I fought the law and the law won. Hello and welcome back to Stocks and Jocks. I'm Tom Rolf. Greg Pappas on the board. SB Futures Unchanged. NASDAQ Futures up 75 cents. Well, uh, Professor Carl, what do you have to make? What do you make of all this? Oh, you know, how do you like the heart attack market we had the last couple of days? Oh, yeah. I, 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 the thing that I think is so fascinating about Wednesday in particular is that so, you know, as I've discussed on the show, it is you no, know, I trade for my own account and have for a long time. And uh, in fact, it goes all the way back to I used to be a DLJ customer. Really? Remember when those guys were around? Yeah, the nineteen nineties. Um, I used to trade when I was in the OEX pit. I well, yeah, right, I know. I said, right you know, but I, they uh, the, the DLJ. One of the reasons I had a DLJ account was that because I ran an internet company, I had an account with them. Uh, I would get small, but still present allocations of many of those nineteen uh, nineties IPOs. No well, good for you. No, well, they'd only let me have a couple hundred shares. Did you ever trade the OEX? Uh, no, I did not. How did you not? It's already traded. Well, it just wasn't one of the things I did. But one of one of my favorite. See, if you ever did, you probably traded with me because I stood right next to the Pershing well, the, brokers, who yeah. DLJ used on the floor. Well, see, I didn't. I I didn't have a floor seat, so you know it is what it is. No, I'm saying if you would have traded through. Oh them, no! If I traded it, yeah. If I traded it online, I did not. Uh, if you'd have called but, them up, if, well, however you well, did it, if you got to them, I was probably on the other side of the trade. Yeah, well, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, actually, one of the one of the more amusing things was that they always DLJ always said, if if, if you flip these shares, we may bar you from future allocations. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, well, guess what I used to do on a pretty regular basis. Well, you, you flipped them, but uh, did they ever warn you? You know what? I never got a formal warning from them. Never happened. And and the funny thing about it was that I mean now you know they they'd only give me a couple hundred you know yeah it wasn't worth coming two, at you. They give me a two lot right? <laughs> yeah, I mean yeah okay whatever. But uh, but yeah no I mean you, know, you during during the roaring nineties you know you get these opening day you know two hundred three hundred percent runs. So you oh, think yeah. I'm not selling into that? Are you out of your mind? Was the guy's, I, you know, what's the guy's name who ran the place ended up becoming the SEC chairman. God, I don't remember. Because um, I actually, what was his name? Um, oh God, because the uh, there was a little known favorite college rule that uh, Duke Chapman was telling John Nigerian one night as he tried to become John's best buddy. Um, 
Duke's dad was one of the one of the heads of uh, what's the massive club, the New York club, right near the uh, the plaza, right on right on the would be the the southeast corner of, of uh, Central Park, Carnegie's Club. What the hell's the name of the place? One of these massive uh, stone edifications with the hotel rooms and all the other kind of stuff. It's like it was like the uh, the club downtown, only this one was nicer. They were the uh, the guy who was the uh, this this guy from the uh, Jonathan Dolphin, I think, was one of his best buddies. And we, we had a, a shindig out with this, the risk management conference, and I was they sent me out there because I was a marketing guy. And I had this, this a huge limo picks me up, right? It wasn't for me. I was going to ride with the guy, the new chairman of the SEC, but he didn't show up. So, Carl, it was the weirdest thing. I'm in his limo. It had to be a block long with the sofas and the bars and all that <laughs> stuff. And I'm, I'm sitting there by myself going, this is, like, really weird. Yeah, you know. But I... It, it, this guy this guy got this car and his date didn't show up. He must really be a loser. <laughs> yeah, for real. I, You know, it's... One of the things that you were touching on earlier... Um, and you know we were bouncing around on the on email a couple of days ago. It was this whole Giuliani thing, and uh, don't get me wrong, I I don't like the guy. Well, I don't okay? Although you have to you you have to give him credit for what he managed to pull off in New York when he was mayor. Okay, you have to. I I don't care if you like him or not. Um. I mean, he essentially got out there with the street sweepers and cleaned yeah. up the city. Uh, and, you know, like it or not, that's what he did. Uh, but here's here's the challenge I have with this. All right? In the context of what happened and what led to this, this alleged event, um, we are talking about people that are essentially government employees. Yeah. That sued him, Okay. Um. So now I can't criticize a government employee. I can't say I think that what they did was corrupt. And if I do say it, that's a liability generating event. The guy I'm talking about is Arthur Levitt. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I. I, I mean, see, this I'm, is a, see, th- Chief. This is, you know, th- think about the implications of that. All right. Um. Now project it forward to what just happened in Colorado. Well, back, back up one second. I think the hair splitting difference, and again, we've been splitting hairs for the last couple of days because I keep asking these questions, not because I know the answers, but because the first thing about getting a, uh, an answer is getting the right question out there, right? And where are we yep. really going with this? I think the hair splitting part here, if I were to come out in the air and, and assail the Department of Motor Vehicles for losing my uh, the money I sent to the state for my sticker and never got it and I got two tickets now they won't get rid of the ticket if I, if I were to sail the Department of Motor Vehicles I think I'm okay if I were to pick some guy's name off the internet if there's somebody there and say here's the bleep hole that, that didn't give me my stuff and we should go you know, race around his park and pee on his lawn or something I don't think that's right. Well, now hold on a minute. 
But what if? But what if that person is the person that actually did it? Well, that's. I'm saying that that. Then, then I guess, yeah. I mean, uh, that's well. See that. See that's because that's what Giuliani did. Okay. Now you could argue whether or not. How did he, how did he know that these were the people that did it? Well, because they were the people that were responsible for it. Look, if I, it, it's it's like, so. It, as I've as I've disclosed before, and and was pretty well common knowledge, uh, when I lived in Florida, in Northwest Florida, there was a period of time when I was on the executive committee with the Libertarian Party. Okay, um, so I and I was elected by the people at the convention. So, I mean, it's an elected position. <laughs> you don't get appointed to that. Now, granted, it wasn't a very large um, voting pool because not all that many people show up for the annual meeting, right? But I was elected by the people that were there. Uh, so, and, and to represent that district, that, that particular part of the state. Fine. Well, part of our job as being involved in that was getting the the registrar's list when when you register to vote the fact that you did so is a public record all right so you can pay a pretty small amount of money it's actually not very expensive at all and for your particular area that you're interested in or the entire state if you want it it costs more obviously if you want the whole state you can get essentially that data dump and every say, if you want to know where all the spam you get in your mailbox with political advertisements comes from, it's right there. <laughs> that's how they get you. That's how they got the information. So, well, and that's the registered voter list, basically, and that is that is public record. Um. By the way, I made it sound like I was sort of disagreeing with that because it is all I was thinking yeah. about, and this this must be your influence. And maybe some of my own conspiratorial stuff is that I was listening to the, the district attorney last night, or U.S. attorney, talking about this case. All I kept thinking about is he's putting somebody essentially in jail for thinking about what's in it for me, and yet this particular guy picked this case for this for the exact same reason. I mean, people are all people. Well, uh, well, absolutely. And th- but that's the thing is that all right. So let's say that I go, you know, I go to do my job. As a you know, as a a party official, okay, Giuliani was a was essentially a party official, right, of Trump. Yeah, right. All right. So I go to do my job, and I I put in the the application and pay the fee for the for this list, and and the guy sits on it for three months, and and as far as I'm concerned, that is a corrupt thing because at the same time I'm getting all these flyers from the Democrats and Republicans. And we can't send them because we don't have the information. All right? So I go on the radio and I say, blah, 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 blah is a corrupt SOB that isn't doing his, you know, isn't doing the right thing. Can he sue me for that? Um, evidently. I don't uh, know. Evidently he can. Okay? That's wrong. Period. I would say you're right. And, and uh, because I didn't, I attacked him in his official capacity which is exactly what Giuliani did. Okay, he did not say, this guy's a child molester. <laughs> All right. Actually, actually, it's two women, right? Well, yeah, but but he didn't accuse them of, of oh. you know being pedophiles or something like this, right? He said that in their official capacity, they, they committed corrupt acts. 
in their official capacity. Now that is that I'm sorry, that's political speech, and and you may not like it. You may think he's a scumbag, and he could even be wrong. It's immaterial. What's material yeah, is that you can go after a guy for political speech and and attacking somebody's position and what they do in their official capacity I, I, I'm sorry I disagree with that I, I don't, don't think you should be able to do that period it should have been dismissed instantly as soon as that case was filed I don't uh, know who kind of started this but I don't which side that is or maybe they both did I don't even recognize how this stuff is is going down I mean this again I, I, I think that as uh, Mr. Burke got older uh, he got a little out of skis a little bit. That, that, that's my been my opinion of that. He's also eight years old. He's also gone. So, um, I I don't know if you if you look at that and you say, well, we're going to send a message. Okay, maybe we want to. Maybe maybe somebody wants to. If I look at the amount of resources on the case and the amount of other cases that weren't picking up, that maybe you and I might find five of those a hell of a lot more important than this one. I don't know. I mean, there's, there's a, no matter where you look at these things, it's like a chessboard with about five different layers, isn't it? Well, yeah, and that's, and that's one of the problems, is that, you know, as, as I have talked about many times on the show, and you've talked about it, we've, we've had, you know, myriad discussions, going back to all the way when I first started showing up here with you guys, is that one of the major inhibiting factors for anybody thinking about getting involved in starting a business, doing what, whatever it is, right? Because you, you brought up this example, you know, well, you know, I want my, uh, where's my permits, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, guess what? You know, I set up and started a business in Chicago and grew it to be something pretty significant. And there were, yes, I, I had to go visit city offices and get permits, right? Yeah. Um, if you start using those as political tools as soon as you do it one time I don't care who you do it for or against I never ran into problems during that period of time the closest situation that I ever had to this was a, a city inspector that tried to shake me down and I caught him because we had cameras and I, I won't go into the details on the show but it but Let's just say that that almost that would have made the five o'clock news because I had proof, and um, he he got really quiet and cut it out. Uh, <laughs> right, well, let's, but, let's put a let's let's put a, a, a knife in the, the separation here. What we're talking about there's I mean I happen well so do you but Chicago politics is there's one thing to have the electrical inspector come by and say, well, gee, this doesn't look all this right. And all of a sudden, there's a 200 hours on the bar, and he goes, ah, but I guess I can live with it, and he walks out. That's Right. That's, but virtually anybody, now, but he's not an elected official. You know, and that's, I never was big on that. I don't I think that's wrong. Um, whatever, but the alderman thing is totally different. I think, in most cases, Carl, because you know, the alderman... I'm going to say nine times out of ten, you're looking for some kind of a variance, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it, it depends. I mean, uh, 
the situation that this this my my particular situation didn't have anything to do with looking for anything. It it had to do with right, that, but that's why. But you, but you said you went to the offices yourself. Well, yeah, and okay, I and I, but I wasn't looking for a variance. I knew exactly I know, but, what I needed, but and mo- I was within people, the lines. Most people always want an edge. And well, you, no, I understand that. Yeah. I'm just saying I would, you know, I would, I knew I was within the lines, so I was not expecting trouble, and I didn't find it. Right. So and, right. and you did. So you just you had to you know play the game you could play yourself. But if you go to an alderman and you say, "I'm supposed to have a three-story office building here," boy, it'd be all a lot nicer if I had four. Um, but, I'm going to say, oh, God, I, I mean, I don't know how much the newer city, the new current city council is. What percentage of all the, the things passed in city council were zoning variances that Waldman brought up for, for somebody in their district, usually backed by their law firm that other guys voted yes for? I mean, Chicago is, is it's, I mean, at some, at some point, it's so sleazy in that regard. Behind my house, there was a, a, uh, Church, big old-fashioned Catholic school—not big, but an old-fashioned, a four, three-story routine with the classrooms—and they didn't have enough people, so ended up taking the school down, put something else up there. This uh, uh, Cardinal uh, Bernadine couple grade center, and that didn't work out. Anyway, it was this big convent where the nuns used to live. Pretty big building, and it was probably on two lots. So all of a sudden. Somebody sells this thing to somebody. I mean, somebody. The archdiocese sells it to somebody. And I'm going to say in my neighborhood, it's a three-story walk-up kind of place. Is the normal routine or a single-family home. If you want the third floor to be a little higher than three floors, you got to have you got to call it an equipment room or some BS. Kind of or something. Oh, there's all there's all sorts yeah. of stuff. It, it, well, and it's fire safety related more than anything yeah. else. <laughs> it's it's a way to get more room. Oh, I know. Yeah. It's it's yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's a yeah, game. It's right? a game. But right. uh, so all of a sudden, these people buy the place. And I see these two buildings going up, and I'm going, wait a minute, those things are a full four four floors. And oh, by the way, everybody else has to have a two or three foot setback from the alley. This garage looks like it goes right to where the alley starts. So somebody. So the the current ability to build there bears very little resemblance to what it was when the archdiocese sold it to the people, to the point where you almost can't put a price on it then versus now. Right. I mean, you can't you can't even sell a building here, or sell a piece of property without feeling you're on some sinking sand. You know, it, but I'm saying, but most people who go to an alderman, if, you, if it gets there. You want something from the guy. Right. Now, Kevin was saying, well, you know, it's good government. I never cause any trouble. The guy goes to work. He's got his people. He does his stuff. He makes sure the parks, whatever aldermen do all day, make sure the garbage cans are there and make sure uh, that kind of crap. He's got his people. If you have a problem with this or that, you call, and they try and help you out, send you the right, give you the right phone number. All of a sudden, somebody shows up. How about spending 40 hours of your time on my stuff? Yeah, well, that's see, that's that's, that's a different where, story. Well, that's right, and and it, this was what that and at the federal level. Remember, we used to have the patronage system at the federal level, and essentially every single person that worked 
at for any branch of the executive in Washington D.C. was fired on inauguration day. Well, we still have how many fifteen hundred people are some huge number. Well, yeah, but it wasn't fifteen hundred; it was like fifteen thousand. Okay. <laughs> okay, they all got canned, and and that was, by the way, that was one of Trump's biggest errors. And and he, for that alone, he proved that he was unfit to hold the job. In that Mr. Genius was supposed to be the brightest man on the planet when it comes to running a business and you know and understanding these kinds of things, uh, comes into office and leaves a bunch of Obama's people in some of those positions that he didn't have to. We're not talking about civil service jobs where he had to do it because he couldn't can them. We're talking about people that were discretionary that he left there from a transition point of view, which, by the way, no other president has ever done. All right. Um, and incidentally, I, uh, another thing that's interesting: there's a lot of people that think that if you're in the civil service system, and you're in the GS, you know, and you're not you're not at a cabinet level. Um, just it's, it, and, and not directly related to the executive. Okay, so for let's let's just say you work for the FDIC, right? You know, yeah. I mean, it's a regulator, right? In theory, anyway. And you're you're reasonably far up the GS chain, say you're you know a GS fourteen, right? Which is pretty far up there. Right, fifteen's the last one, and then after that you have SES, which is essentially a civilian general. Um, and the the distinction there is that if you're in SES, they can tell you we need you to. Your assignment is now in Arizona, and if you say no, you're out. Which is kind of interesting. All right, so if if they. Name us at the convention because one of these guys doesn't want to run, and we win. I suppose if we're on the Democratic side, we don't have to replace anybody. But on the Republican side, where, where exactly do we find two thousand people to fill jobs? Well, that's yeah, and and the ones that have to go through confirmation, of course, you know, there's there's that as a barrier too, right? You can't actually, you know, to do the job, you have to go through the Senate. But an awful lot of these people are not in that. So, I mean, you know, if you work for the FDIC, unless you're a director. That that's not a confirmed position, right? That's just you just get hired. But here's here's the amusing part: people think that once you get into that GS system, you're you're safe from political interference. You're wrong. Oh no, you're never safe. You're wrong. I I know someone who, when Biden came in, was force retired early. This is how they got rid of these people. They couldn't fire them under the civil service system. But what they can do is say, oh, by the way, you're five years early from when you should normally retire, but we're forced retiring your position. And you're out. And, and oh, by the way, that screws you pretty good because your, your pension is, uh, you know, gets shortcut, right? I mean, you don't, you don't get zeroed, but it gets shortcut. So you get hosed. Why would I necessarily want whatever, whatever party I am, if, say... God. Well, this, I, well, wait, now, the person that had this happen to them was, was not politically active within the government at all. Yeah, were, well, well, why would I want to... The first thing... This is how naive I am. First thing I would ask, if I'm in there... Hey, before we dump this uh, lady who's the undersecretary to to Yemen, does she know what she's doing? Because I don't know anything about like, Yemen. The person goes, oh, yeah, she's well, very competent. Well, why do I want her to dump? Well, yeah, that's. Uh, I, I mean, I'm sure that's that was essentially a, a large part of Trump's, uh, you know, rationale for not doing it, right? 
Well, that would be mine, too. I wouldn't have, you know, that would be mine, too. Well, that would be a lot of people's, but but the reality is, is that historically what happens is they all get dumped. And and when you look at what happened with the with the instantaneous attacks that came, whether they were valid or not, that's what enabled them to a large degree. And you mean nine oh, eleven? I'm sorry. You mean nine yeah. eleven? Yeah. No, no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking about what what happened after 2016. But I mean, there's also somewhat of a history of people coming at the new president while he's in this process. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, you you bet there is, and you know, I mean, that's yeah, and so there's a lot of this sort of thing, and you know, I mean, not just inside the United States, all right. I mean, uh, gee, you don't think our foreign adversaries would take advantage of somebody who hasn't really gotten everything all you know aligned yet, right? Yeah. <laughs> Duh. I mean, come on. But that's, I mean, this is all part of the game, all right. I just, what I see within this is that we've there there is a point where you have to wonder how much longer this sort of thing can 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 be contained and remain civil before somebody says i've had enough of this you're done i don't care now well the, but the british are totally different right they, those people are professional most of them are professional whatever the hell you want to call them administrators or uh, statesmen so you don't necessarily fire the undersecretary of state to S- South America. That's a that's a government job. It's not <clears throat> the president's flunky. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, there's yeah. there's, there's pluses and minuses to both. I'm sure. Oh, SP the, futures yeah. up. SP futures up three. Nasdaq futures up twelve. We must have just had this uh, PCE number. Yeah, it just what? came out. I'm looking for it. Well, we'll do it after break, and we're going to have Carl tell us where we can find all the detail on that. (laughs) Be right back. Interested in promoting your business to a high-end audience comprised of entrepreneurs, traders, executives, and the everyday business person? Consider advertising on Stocks and Jocks. With a devout listenership covering the Chicago market, along with a vast online presence, advertising on Stocks and Jocks may be just what it takes to put your business over the top. For more information, contact me, Matt Weber, at matt at stocksandjocks.net. That's matt at stocksandjocks.net. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know, all while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here. Right now. Right now. 
Well, North Bay Stacks and Jacks, time tomorrow. Greg Pappas on the board. SP Futures down 550. Nancy Futures are down 22. Not sure why we're down. The PC number came in a little less than expected at 3.2% year over year. Personal income up 0.4%. Uh, uh, I guess that was where it's supposed to be. Month to month, PCE uh, up 0.1% versus uh, 0.1%. So, do a brief. Uh, uh, we'll go through the markets here. We've got the S&P futures down 5, Nasdaq futures down 18, Dow futures down 92. Again, most of that is Nike getting basically its ass kicked down 14. That's 11%. Movements are huge in these uh, some of these earnings these days. Uh, why, don't you, why don't you go right to uh, traffic weather sports and these other numbers are just piling in here. All right, 733 here in Chicago. We've got 44 degrees right now, 45 today with a lot of afternoon rain. Phoenix... 59 light rain 60 today cooler with uh, more thunderstorms on the way traffic we've had n- almost no increase since 6:30. light traffic inbound kennedy from montrose is nine minutes inbound edens lake cook is 22 minutes ike from wolf is 15 minutes and the ryan from 95th to the interchange is 14 minutes stevenson 294 to the ryan is 16 minutes nba spurs lose to the bulls bulls win at home 114 to 95 NHL Coyotes beat the Sharks. That was five to two. And on Prime last night, NFL Saints and Rams. The Rams won. That was thirty to twenty-two. So I got Chief. You think the NFL is going to figure out whether they want to be on free TV or pay TV? Uh, I'd imagine eventually they'll be even more uh, streaming based. Really? Carl, what do you think about that? Well, so you know, I'm I'm one of those evil cord cutting people. Uh, actually, after the uh, the crash uh, in '08 and you know into '09, uh, I was still living in Florida at the time, and that was the era and period of time when the cost of having cable television started to get insane. Uh, the the price jacking got completely out of hand and and I know exactly why it happened because I did some of the original study work before you could get cable internet uh, cable cable systems uh, had no economic model for selling internet they had the capacity to do it in the early 1990s I know because I did some of the work on it the problem was they couldn't get they couldn't recover their expense in outfitting all of their equipment to be bi-directional and make it work well, pay-per-view movies uh, was the infrastructure change, the business model change, if you will, that made that possible. Because in order to be able to sit there with your remote and click a button and buy a movie, you had to have that two-way infrastructure. Okay? <laughs> so even though that's a very small piece of information, doesn't take a lot of bandwidth, you had to have the ability to do it. So the one-way cable plant had to go two-way in order to be able to do pay-per-view movies. All right? That was the enabling thing because it took that cost structure. And this, uh, uh, you know, I've talked about this in the context of energy. We use the uranium and plutonium fuel cycle for nuclear power because it also makes bombs. And therefore, the, the military doesn't have to pay all the costs of making bombs. Some of it lands on the civilian people in your power bill. Isn't that convenient oh, yeah, well, for them? Yeah. Well, it's convenient for them, right? Yep. Well, the same thing happened here. All right. Um, but as as these streaming services started to show up and first began to appear 
the cable companies freaked out because the way they were paying for this backhaul infrastructure was off pay-per-view movies. Well, that was obviously going to go away when you could go on Netflix and watch whatever you wanted, whatever you wanted, right? <laughs> so all of a sudden they have a problem. And, and so the cost of the service started to get extortionately ridiculous. I mean, it more than doubled in the space of a few years. And so I said, you know, you can bite me. I'm not going to care. I'm, I'm just going to pay for the Internet because I need it. But I, you're over there. TV is not worth a million to me anymore. And, of course, the fact that they bundled everything in with ESPN and everything else didn't help because I'm not a big sports fan. So I, I didn't think there was any value in paying for, you know, for the bundle. I didn't see any value in it. Uh, and when they started, when that rate jacking started to hit even the basic stuff, like, okay, I'd like to be able to see CNBC, for example, uh, then I said, okay, go to, you know, basically go to hell and turned it off. And I've maintained that since. Today, this model has shifted so far that if you're willing to put up with advertising, you're back in the over the air free TV model without having to do anything else. I mean, I, I have two LG televisions in my house. Both of them have literally 500 channels of scheduled shows, right? Like, you know, one that's all Star Trek episodes, for example. From, from where? <laughs> oh, all, as long as it's got an internet connection, you pay zero for all of this. How do you do that? Uh, it's, it's an IP stream, and it's built into the television, yeah, but what, I, what, what I, sites I, are you sucking it up from? It, it's theirs. LG has has their own back end infrastructure doing this. It goes over the internet and it's and it's on it's it's on the their televisions. You just go in there and you click through. It's a channel number like anything else. Channel one hundred two, one hundred three, one hundred four, one hundred five. Blah blah you blah can't, blah. You whatever. Can't get live sports there, right? No, you can't. Um, so you know, so I have a an antenna. And, and by the way, your over-the-air isn't one channel either. Channel no, 2 is now 2.1, 2, 2.2, 2.3, you know, whatever, right? There's five channels on Channel 2 because it's digital as well. And so there's, you know, this, this model has completely changed. ESPN and the other guys that used to be, you know, this is how they... They still have fights every now and then. Well, you know, we, this, this cable provider doesn't want to pay what... Charge if right. if you watch something over the over the antenna, haven't done it in so long. Is it still essentially simultaneous with the action? It's not delayed like the cable. Oh yeah, yeah. It's essentially simultaneous. And the other thing is, is that the quality, as long as you have a decent enough signal, is outstanding. There's no snow. It's either there, or it's not. It it gets blocky like it does with streaming when things go wrong because it is streaming essentially. It's a it's a data stream that's coming across the air. It's not analog anymore. Uh, and I'm I'm sort of on a fringish kind of area, but uh, most of the college stuff I want to watch or whatever I can get over the air, so I'm I'm fine. And if I can't, I go to the bar and I I let them pay the bill to, oh, yeah. you know, to yeah. have ESPN on the screens. Uh, I actually don't mind uh, um, the, the football. Well, actually, the thing I, I think that bothers me is if I wanted to buy it, like baseball, for some reason I still have a weakness. I want to watch the Cubs and the Sox. I don't have a problem, but if I pay for NBC Sports with the Sox and I pay for the marquee for the Cubs, I'm outraged when all of a sudden I turn on and it's not there because 
Now I need Apple that day or Amazon that day. How many times can you sell the same crap? I guess is my question. Well, if it, you if know it was what if it was free, <clears throat> and they said okay, you know these ten you got to pay for, and I don't want to pay for them. I guess that's America, right? But if I all, well, but if I bought yeah. all of them, and now I just say, well, no, it doesn't work for a, ten of the ones you just bought. To me, that why is it? Why do I think that's a different story? Yeah, I you know it's <laughs> I it's just but, well I mean one of the things that's interesting is that every every year uh, I'm a, you know I I use T-Mobile for my phone and every year they give you the MLB package on your phone at no charge really and so I <laughs> if I if I want to watch a ball game uh, I can cast that from my phone to my television. Now, the quality isn't what I get from OTA because, you know, it's a compressed stream and it's designed yeah. for a phone, right? So it's it's not as crisp and as sharp as, you know, if you paid for their MLB package uh, from some streaming provider. But I didn't pay for it. Zero charge. Hey, uh, if you don't mind, I, I cut you off earlier. What does uh, this next year, of course, we have everybody talking about the Fed loosening up and everything is yeah. everything's going crazy. And I'll say the only, one of the things I've I've sort of noticed unofficially a change in the in the market in my bazillion years in the business is it seemed like when I first started in the first twenty some years, the market was considered well, God, University of Chicago, the market was considered a god, right? Right. I mean if the if the, the chairman was groaning in the can, the stock could be down five points, nobody even know the you know, I don't even know there was a microphone in the can, but but that's how that's how people thought how efficient the market was, right? Now whether they're right or not, you know who well, knows. But 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 I'm saying, but the idea that say the Fed was going to do what they did last week, um, to me it was very obvious that they're going to do, and they did it. Now the problem I'm having, uh, everybody has a problem because nobody makes money every day. Problem I'm having is the market ran up six days or five days in a row to the meeting because everybody knew it was the most telegraphed thing I've ever seen. Well, that, that covers a lot of bases. So they come out and they say it. To me, in, in my day, that would have been it. You know, because, right. we, we, because the market anticipated what they were going to say. You know, the rumors were out there. Buy the rumor. You know, either sit through the news or sell the news or something. But yet, they come out with it and it keeps going. It's like it's like like half the people didn't didn't see the flash before, and it to me that's sort of odd. But so you got half the people thinking next year is going to be whatever much money Fed needs to put in in terms of keep the market up for the election they're going to do. Then you have a couple people saying, "Oh God, these stuff's so overvalued uh, that you know we're going to have a fifty percent." I'm, I'm surprised. I, I didn't think we'd make it to the end of the year, even though we have a position that wants to make it to the end of the year up. Uh, I didn't think we'd be there every single day, but I was stunned on Wednesday at the rapidity of that turn. And then, oh, nobody, I, 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 yeah, and you know, well, and uh, yeah, then you look at the PCA and you look at the reaction, right? I mean, there's uh, immediately uh, the market takes a little bit of a header and then it, it comes roaring back, and we're now, you know, we're at the daily high right now in the yeah. futures. And I, I read through the report. By the way, I would love to know exactly what's in that black box with the knob on the side. Where does it even come from? Well, I, I'm just saying. There's, you know what? There's uh, the, the BEA. Well, BLS I call the Bureau of Lies and Scams, and have for 25 years. 
right? Which, which you know, gets a lot of people casting shade at me. Well, guess what? If you believe in stuff that comes out of BLS, you know, their, their birth death adjustment and their, you know, they're black, and they admit they're black boxing the numbers. Um, okay, well, you know, you go ahead and you buy that. This this stuff is it, it makes that look like a, a, a Girl Scout picnic. <laughs> right? well, how, how does Wikipedia seem to know the adjustments they make? They claim that the the real PCE has a twenty one percent weight for uh, medical, which it is in the society. Right. So, uh, yeah, about twenty percent. Yeah. But they claim that their adjusted one that they use is, is five point nine percent. It's even lower than the CPI. Right. How, right. How, does, how does Wikipedia know that when nobody seems I, to know any of this stuff? Well, I don't know, but I'll tell you what, I sure can't find that in any kind of published document somewhere, can you? I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'll look, I'll, I'll, I'll try and find out, see, what, see where they reference, because they, they mention it. I mean, they, I mean that's right. Oh, I, was, I, oh, I know, but you know what? Here's the other, here's the other thing that I think is, is just comical, okay? Supposedly PCE, uh, year over year now, so now we're going back to December of last year, Supposedly, X Food and Energy is three point two. Now, if you believe that, given twenty percent insurance increases, and those are real, and I don't know yeah. anybody that has managed to avoid that one, especially with car insurance. And, mine went up twenty percent. Mine hasn't gone up in years, but all of a sudden, well, my, yeah, mine went up about twenty percent. And oh, by the way, I haven't, I've never smashed a car, and I haven't had a traffic ticket in twenty years. I mean, it's not even a speeding ticket for cry out loud, and and you know, but that so I mean, zero claims, zero, you know, yeah, no reason for that other than they're not making as much money as they need to. So you know, guess what? Here comes the price increase. Uh, but the, the the other thing that goes with that is, God forbid, if you have a house and you're in Florida, and some of the stories that I that you know from people I know that still live there because I you know I lived there for twenty years, so I still know plenty of people there. And what they got this this year coming around on renewals for homeowners insurance? Oh my God! All right, I mean, if you think that that somehow we managed to get a three percent number, you know, a three print out of this, uh, in terms of, and these are mandatory expenses, right? I mean, Chief, you, know, oh, yeah. you and I, I mean, this is this is not something you could, you know, you can't substitute hot dogs for hamburgers. I mean, hedonic. There is no hedonic adjustment when it comes to things like homeowners insurance and car insurance. Right? You, you you just have to suck it up and pay. Um, and so you know that's that's laughable. All right. I mean, and there was there were. I have an Obamacare policy. It's one of the reasons that I choose not to work is I don't want to lose a subsidy. Um, and and oh by the way. Uh, the suppressive impact that has on entrepreneurship is is one of the things that I've railed about ever since Obamacare came in. And anybody that thinks that that has not done terrible damage to productivity improvement in the United States has rocks in their head. It absolutely has. And when you take that and then you take the, the DEI nonsense that, that goes on, well, just just take a look at what what came up yesterday. We had another, there's another two large security breaches okay comcast apparently got hit uh, i think it was comcast uh, no wait it wasn't comcast i'm on i'm on well maybe might have been xfinity i did one of the cable one of the big cable companies got hit and then there was another one which is really bad which is a title company got hammered now you know think about the data that they've got 
Right. I mean, that's oh boy. Um, yeah. Well, we, we, I don't know that much about their business, but they, they've got a lot. Oh yeah, they do. Um, now, why is this happening with these large firms on such a frequent basis? Where you know, there's another one in the news every you know every two weeks, and the answer is competence doesn't matter anymore. I do this kind of stuff. This used to be my wheelhouse. This was the wheelhouse when I was running my company. And I'm not going to say that, you know, and, and even today, I have clowns from China trying to break into my stuff because everybody knows who I was, right, and what I did. And they and they probably assume there's something interesting on my on my servers here at the house. I don't know why they would think that. I wonder what happened to the, uh, the old-style hackers back in the 90s when I was on the... Uh, can you imagine me being on the anti-hack committee of the CBOE? Oh, you know, it's uh, it. I, the the thing that gets me is that the common element of all of this is that they managed to get in using some kind of human engineering. I mean, that's what happened to MGM. Okay. Well, guess what? That's that's something that we defended against in the nineteen nineties. Well, the the guys that were hacking in those days was mostly individual people from like Finland and Sweden that just would hack around and if they couldn't get up they Oh yeah no this is this is organized this is yeah. coming you know this comes out of Russia and China and, and so know, this is stuff a, like that It's a totally different ball game than back in those days Oh absolutely yeah. but you know what what we keep having happen is this keeps being a human factors engineering thing more than anything else Yes there are occasionally technical breaches that occur that lead to problems we, you know, we were no stranger to that. We, of course, we were in a world when, when technical was, you know, bleeding edge all the time, or you weren't in business. So that was the way it was. But today, that's not true. And yet, you're telling me that these guys don't have some kind of two-factor authentication that makes that sort of thing absolutely not work ever. You know what? The U.S. military has figured this out, and yet OMB got hacked. Right, and all and all. Well, the when you say they get hacked, I mean, there's differences of success and intensity of every hack, right? Well, okay, I'll I'll take if I break into your system and I steal your data, that's a hack. Right. Well, okay. How how I got in is now a question for you know for the forensic guys to look at. I'm saying if you, if you got in, and you, you you after you grab the first guy's stuff, the thing clomped down on you. It's not the same hack as getting everybody. Oh no! But most of the time, when when so, by the time that you find out about it, and it gets and it gets quote unquote announced, it all got stolen. All right, and and oh by the way, that's the other thing that's a uh, that's uh, you know changed with the internet is the the data speeds are so much higher that if you manage to get into a large data set, you can steal the whole thing before you get clamped on. Oh really? Okay. Oh yeah, because you're now able. I mean, I can move a a Blu-ray disc, which is. You know, 30 or 40 gigabytes of data. I can move that in a couple of minutes. By the way, I'm here on the Wikipedia page. Where they claim the resource on this is uh, bea.gov slash help slash frequently asked questions slash 555 something. Okay. And, and, and they, this is, they put the piece, CPI versus PC unadjusted and PC adjusted. Now the interesting one, uh, let's go down the line here. That is that is crazy. Is uh, housing is forty two point four percent CPI, twenty six point five PC unadjusted, and thirty two point nine PCE adjusted. Okay, rent. Uh, they got like four point. I still don't get how this uh, housing part where it's uh, 
it say it's 32.9, but they have rent at 4.1, owner's equivalent rent at 15.9, another housing at 12.9. They, they don't mean that only 4.1% of your paycheck is going to rent, do they? They can't. Well, you know, it's uh, again, I I look at this and I don't see I I don't see a lot of this. Okay. I I just I, I don't I don't see the the validity. I don't care which of these two indices you care to look at as your primary rest. Well, they've got a peril higher than medical care. You got to be one hell of a close. I mean, medical care. I boy, you got to be a Melda Marcus for that to make any sense, yeah, right? Yeah, it makes no sense. You got uh, motor vehicles is higher than gasoline is just under medical care. Gasoline's yeah. 50 bucks. Well, how much a month? Well, and then here but here's here's the problem with the whole medical care paradigm, right? Is if you and and, and people argue this all the time and I don't know and I get you know, if you've never run a business, I suppose you could probably do this out of ignorance and, and get somewhere. If you have run a business, it, it, you you can't make that argument. People are like, "Well, you know, I have a $10 per, uh, you know, per paycheck deduction on my check, and that's, you know, that's what it costs me for medical care because, I, you know, there's, it co-pays 20 bucks and I go to the doctor twice a year. And I say, um, excuse me, uh, as the guy who stroked the check to the insurance company, um, that's, that's $800 a month. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, and, oh, by the way, uh, lest you think that that isn't, that that's free to you, if I didn't have to stroke an $800 check, guess how much higher your salary would be? Well, you know that, and I know that. That's it, nine grand a year, buddy. I know, but I had this long conversation with my nephew, who loves to argue, and once in a while I was actually right. And I'm always quick to tell him when he's right and I'm wrong. Cause I, I, somehow I stopped being infallible somewhere along the way. Carl, I don't know when that happened. Isn't, but, that, isn't that funny? You know, it's yeah. just a, you know what the difference is between a trader and a politician? Uh, one can say he's wrong. If one doesn't say he's wrong, he's broke. Yeah, yeah, it's true. <laughs> well, my, my, it, it, the debate came down to what just you were talking about. Um, you and I know, as running businesses, that boy, our our stuff got to where it was twenty one hundred a month uh, when we had a lot of people here. We had, we had a we had the worst combination of ladies in the childbearing age and guys getting older. When it oh, came in the nineteen in the nineteen nineties, I had people that were eight hundred bucks. Okay, I, I can't imagine what it is now. Well, it was it when we 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 topped up because we had a, we had a pretty Cadillac plan for it, but we were I'm going to say two grand easy for somebody. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, it, uh, yeah. Does this surprise me? Not a bit. Well, but I guess when in the vernacular, though, you and I know when people when you say, "Okay, I'm going to I'm going to pay you eighty grand a year, and we're going to cover these kind of benefits," right? It's somehow you and I know theoretically. That if you didn't have to pay the, the two grand a month, say, you would just as easily give it to the person, say you could add another twenty four grand to whatever I just gave you. But nobody ever does that. And that I know of. I mean if somebody came in and you offered them hundred grand a year and the, and by the way we have hospitalization and the guy says, My wife's a school teacher or a judge or something, that's all covered. You never out people, well, let's let's throw another fifteen into the paycheck. You you would think it, it, it's the same to you whether you would or wouldn't, but you don't. But in my in my question is why not? Well, um, 
So the reason that you would is because if you don't, the guy down the street will. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, I mean, this is always the case. It was all, you know, it certainly was the case when, you know, I was running my company. Compensation is, is, a, is not just a function of what someone knows and what they bring in the door, but what, guy, what the guy down the road will pay. If those curves ever cross, in other words, he's, the, the other guy will pay him more than he can bring in the door. All right, so if you match that salary offer or hourly rate or whatever, you know, depending on where they are, then you lose money. If that curve crosses, you let him go. I understand that. Uh, but, but the thing is, is that as long as it doesn't, you have to remain competitive or he leaves. And, that's, and that is the way the real world works, whether people want to believe it or not. And we had to take that into account with every single decision we made in terms of you know in terms of salary offers we had to okay because but we, we had a hundred competitors for I, crying out loud chief I'm not I'm, I'm not about to debate you on that at all what I'm saying is in that particular weird discussion it, it never happened well, you know, I'm in a small world that's why I'm asking it the, the employers never actually that I my turn offered that if you were to say by the way I don't need but I also don't think people coming in looking for a job would say, now when we talk about salaries, just remember, I don't need the hospitalization. So whatever you pay everybody else, add it to my salary. I don't know if anybody ever said that either. I'm just well, saying, they just, they, they, you're right, what yeah, should have happened. I don't think it ever did, though, is my point. Uh, yes. Um uh, uh, what I uh, the the thing that I would say though that goes along with that is that a lot of this is in the background, which is why people don't see it. Okay, it's it's in the background of how wages get set, but it's not directly visible to the person that's on the you know, on the employee side of the desk. But it is absolutely a a serious part of it. And you know, it's it's like this whole thing about the uh, now now in Chicago and some other places they're passing ordinances where you can't use the tipped minimum wage yeah. federally. All right, anymore. Um, and and so, gee, I wonder why the hamburger that was twelve dollars is now sixteen. Oh yeah, right. Well, okay. And the only reason that that a state or a city gets away with that is the guy down the street has to pay the same price for his labor whether he likes it or not because that's what the government said you got to do so the problem is the hamburger is now 16 everywhere uh unless you you know get in a, a plane or you know, a train or a car and you leave the state uh, and so as a result you can get it you know the you can get away with that kind of hacking on the on the cost structure of course problem with it is uh, how much business does the does you know, do all the bars or all of the places lose, and is it is it bad enough that it forces some of them out of business? And the answer is probably going to be yes. Uh, but you know, but how how does that impact anybody? Well, you know, that's that's why we have a voting process, right? And if you don't like it, you throw those bums out, or at least in theory. In theory, hey, in I, theory. I have to say, uh, Merry Christmas. But uh, our, our, our market prognostication: Are we going to make it through next week up every day? 
a little blip I, on I would not be shorting things with, with any kind of a vengeance until after the new year. You know, the first week of the new year is usually pretty good, too. Yeah. Um, but I'll tell you what, as we get a little bit further into this, I, oh boy, are we overextended. I, I do not like the internal picture and that TNX. You want the, the indication of what's going on. Take a look at that TNX minus IRX and just keep that on your screen. Uh, you tell me how we can be inverted to this degree and and have a forward uh, view that everything's going to be fine. I don't see it. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about what's going on in the container container rates going to 10000 bucks a uh, container overnight. Well, that might have something to do with the fact that the Houthis are shooting at ships. Yeah, well, anyway, Carl, have a great, great Christmas, buddy. We'll talk to you next you week. SP Futures up 10, NASDAQ Futures up 41. Back in the plus side, back on uh, Tuesday. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI Pro Direct. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708 349 3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.